Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contractor pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with the bipartisan firm Purple Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with the firm Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, entertainment, and pop culture. So I went to an event last week, and it was a, a friend of mine. They have media – a couple friends who have a media firm. The folks who had the video – uh, you can't plan to go viral unless you're a cat flushing a toilet. Those folks, you may remember. Oh, yes. They added some business partners to their shop, and so they had a big event. And everybody at the – so it was like every Democratic consultant was there. So it was like I had to answer the same like five or six questions like, hi, your husband is really making beautiful ads. This must be a really crazy time. <laughs> for you right now. Is it okay? Are you doing okay? Did you have your talking points down? <laughs> I did have my talking points. I'm like, it's great. It's really wonderful. I'm really proud of him. It's totally fine. Um, uh, and I listen, you know, I see Kristen on Morning Joe. I hear you on NPR, like the two liberal, you know, <laughs> places where people get their news. Nobody said, oh, we saw her on Fox News Sunday. No, no. Not, not, not a big no, Not even there. on the television behind them where you were on CNN. No. It was like, <laughs> just NPR and Morning Joe, the two food groups. Um, and and then <laughs> and then and then they said, um, you know, I, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I don't ever tweet or post on Facebook about it, though. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you should. So, insiders, you know who you are. All you insiders, you may not. You may think you're a little too insidery to post about the show on Facebook or Twitter. That's fine. So we are reviving some micro assignments because we have some new listeners too. So these are short, free, easy things to support the show. And the one curated list we haven't been part of yet is NPR. Um, they have earbud.fm. And, of course, it's very democratic and collaborative. They, you know, you can't promote your own show. You, They consult all these experts. It's, you know, it's very li- uh, liberal. Um, it's not like a drudge poll that shows Donald Trump won the debate. No, they we can't. Like They explicitly say, <laughs> we see you, ballot stuffers. <laughs> but they would, I'm sure, appreciate your well-informed input. So we will post a link to the uh, to the submission form on our show notes, as we always do. So you can do that, insiders, and they will trust your insider point of view. You don't have to promote it on Facebook like a fanboy or fangirl if that's what you're worried about. Although it's totally, you know. It's a more discreet way to help our show. Yeah. So it's great. Um, on the DL. Yeah. It's all good. So yeah. We created this just for you. Um, so what else is happening, Kristen? Well, we are going on a trip this weekend. This is the part where if we were playing music, I would play the uh, Dropkick Murphys that um, – 
the song they always play at Red Sox games. We're going up to Boston. Is really what I'm trying to say. We're shipping up to Boston. <laughs> we are going to. Blank gonna... <laughs> look. I'm like, are you talk... is there somebody behind me who knows something about sports? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I did not just get like some horrible copyright violation there. Mostly, I just violated good taste. Yeah, okay, you're good. So we're going up to Harvard's Institute of Politics. They are having their 50th anniversary celebration and have invited Margie and I to do a live show from their celebration. So we are. Taking the pollsters to Harvard, and we are going to be joined by John Della Volpe of Social Sphere, um, and somebody who I've known for many years because he sort of runs the Harvard uh, Millennial Poll. Well, he would say, "No, no, no, the students run the poll," but he's he's the the chaperone. Right, somebody's got to be the boss. Um, and so he's going to join us to chat about his experiences with the, the Harvard Youth Poll and what he does at Social Sphere. And so we're just really excited to have him. But it's open to the public. So if yep. any of you listeners are in the Boston area and want to come hang out, uh, it's on Friday afternoon, I believe at 530. I think that's right. At the Kennedy School. I think it's in the Belfer building. I think that's all right. But we'll put it on our Twitter page and Facebook page. Come hang out with us. It'll be lots of fun. Yes, and our former Purple intern, Maura Duggan, who goes to Harvard and helped out immensely with the show as it was being launched. She's going to be there in the audience. She's like, I saw that you guys are coming. <gasps> oh, that's so, wonderful. So she will be there as well as some of the folks from Purple Boston. We have a Boston office and they'll be there too. So oh, great. All kinds of fun folks. Um, so our top lines. So Trump has a little bit of a problem with the ladies. Uh, and if you tell people that Trump is on one side of an issue, then people tend to dig into their own camps. We'll look at some interesting experiments about what happens when you give people cues about how Trump feels. We'll also take a look at polls coming out of Wisconsin, but do congressional districts actually tell the more interesting story about the GOP delegate race. We'll also look at polling about who's got the enthusiasm on the Democratic side of the aisle. And we'll take a look at how asking about household income changes people's attitudes about who they'd pick in 2016. The results of gender priming may surprise you. Uh, We'll also look at some polling about post Brussels security policy and kidney donation. Right. Will this be our controversy of the week? I don't know. Two don't spaces know. after a period, Cadbury cream eggs, <laughs> kidney donation. Last year we had a poll <laughs> that said um, – uh, would you get a tattoo for a friend? And we were like, no, <laughs> we would not do that. But maybe polls show you might donate your kidney. We'll see. Um, but first, the poll of the week. And this I thought was quite interesting. This is from Pew. And they asked how many people um, had changed their social media profile pick for a cause. And this is something that about 20% of folks said that they've done, and it actually tends to skew pretty left, which I didn't know. I just assumed that there were these movements on the right as they are on the left. So uh, over a quarter of liberals have done this, just 14% of conservatives. Um, And the common reasons for doing it, the Paris attacks, but also for LGBT rights, that was a you know that was quite people were using that equal sign logo from the human rights campaign. People were changing their profile the rainbow photo. Filter. Yep, the rainbow filter. That was another one. There were a couple different ones. Um, there was uh, the stronger gun law one where people were changing all their profile pics to be orange. So I guess it is a lot of stuff on the left because a lot of these things I'm like oh I did that one I did that one too. Uh, are there? There's lots no of filter for like gee the national debt deeply concerns me. <laughs> I mean, green, like a green eye shade. I'm green. God, that's horrible. No, there's there's not really good. We're, we're less 
conservatism is a little less filterable. I guess so. Instagram filterable. I guess so, right? I guess so. So um, so this is now something – so that's – you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. And obviously it skews a little bit younger, but the uh, ideology was one of the biggest uh, – drivers of that, as well as race. African-Americans were particularly likely, probably the groups most likely to say they've changed their so, uh, social media photo. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. So good job, Pew. That was an interesting thing. I didn't know I wanted the answer to that question, but yet here we are. Thanks, Polling. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a quick look then at what's going on on the 2016 uh, Republican side. Um, right now we've got uh, Wisconsin is the next big race that's coming up. It's coming up on Tuesday, April 5th. And uh, there are 42 delegates at stake on the Republican side. And so right now there's a big focus on who's going to win because it's considered a close race between Ted Cruz, who was just endorsed by uh, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, um, and Donald Trump. And uh, sorry, this is the the trouble of speaking. I need to put the comma. There, Donald Trump is not endorsing <laughs> Ted Cruz. Right. No, no, no. In fact, Donald Trump went to a rally in Janesville, Wisconsin, which is the hometown of Paul Ryan. And I, the word on the street is I think Paul Ryan got booed because Trump sort of stirred up some anger there. Anyhow, Wisconsin is is a house divided at the moment. And uh, – the reason why uh, I, I there, so uh, there's a Marquette poll that came out that had um, it just came out this afternoon. We're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Cruz at forty, Trump at thirty. So showing Cruz doing reasonably well statewide, but of Wisconsin's forty two delegates, only eighteen will be going to the winner of the state. The other twenty four delegates in Wisconsin go to individual congressional districts. Now we had a lot of states before, um, you know. On, around Super Tuesday and stuff that were proportional states before you could switch to winner take all. Um, but now that we know that the the path to winning the 1,237 1, delegates is potentially difficult for Donald Trump, every delegate counts, which means every congressional district counts in some of these states. Uh, so optimists, we just had Scott Tranter on. If you listen to our interview episode from this week, he had uh, – optimists had been doing analytics for Rubio. Uh, great guy, really smart. They went into the field with a N of 6,000 survey in Wisconsin, calling off the voter file using um, IVR, which is the, the robo-polling. Um, and what they did was they not only estimated who they think is winning overall. In their poll, they had Trump um, at around 29.4 percent, uh, trailed by Kasich at 26.8 uh, percent, and then Cruz at 25 percent. So they did not have Cruz up in the way that Marquette did. But what they also did, because they had so many voters, mm -hmm. um, so many responses, is they looked at each individual congressional district. Now, part of their analysis, which I thought was fascinating, is not every congressional district in Wisconsin has the same number of Republicans in it. So you've got Wisconsin 4 that is like downtown Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. It's very right. few Republicans Gwen in Moore's it. Gwen Moore's district, I think. Gwen Moore's district. Um, directly to the west, you have Wisconsin 5 that is Frank Sensenbrenner's district. And it's very Republican. It's very like upscale suburban white Republican district. So if you're a voter in Gwen Moore's district, you in a way have like five times as much voting power right. when you go to vote in this Republican primary because, because both districts get, the same. get three delegates. Right. So – you know, I interviewed Scott and then I also interviewed um, Chris Wilson, who is um, the director of analytics for the Cruz campaign, about are you guys playing Moneyball here? Are you trying to figure out, OK, where can we pick up three delegates here, three delegates there from 
a congressional district in one of these states where in a general election, Republicans couldn't care less. And frankly, nobody ever competes in a primary because it's a foregone conclusion that the Democrat will win. Right. How can you pick up some votes? And so I wrote my column in the Examiner. But there's some Republicans somewhere there. There are some Republicans, even if there's just a few. So my column this week in the Examiner is all about could Nancy Pelosi's district be the path through which Ted Cruz makes it to the convention. Because in California, that's a state that does it entirely, almost entirely by congressional district. Right. Um, so you've got uh, Maxine Waters district is one that I talk about specifically in the piece where there are like less than 20,000 Republicans who vote in a general election any given year. Um, so you can imagine if you're looking for dollars spent per Republican voter, mm-hmm. like places where you can really get a lot of bang for your buck, there are some majority minority districts that the Cruz campaign is certainly looking at. So when you take a look at the polling in Wisconsin right now, it shows us the, the or at least the optimist poll shows things are kind of close, but actually shows that Kasich, even if he doesn't win statewide, could still walk away with some delegates in some of these districts. If he were to just say, forget it, there's no way I win statewide, but I'm just going to hang out in this one media market where I have these districts that are good for me. Right. Can he pull off six delegates? So that's what I'm watching for in some of these states now that have these CD by CD. Right. And I just saw that he was – that Kasich was reallocating some of his media buy amongst the congressional districts. But I don't know if that's a real thing or if that's just a tweet sort of Well, if, if he was doing way. it, it would be smart because, yeah. I mean, it's, at this point it seems – unlikely that he'll get those 18 statewide. And there are a couple of districts where he's not well positioned. But you can imagine Gwen Moore's district being the type of place where if he came in and really made an effort, could he pull it off? And they also actually show about a fifth of voters are undecided. And that varies a little bit across the district, but still pretty across the state. But they're still pretty high in all of these districts. And I'm assuming, I don't know who, who commissioned this research from Optimus, but presumably that's part of why they do 6,000 interviews because then you can really look at those undecideds and say, look, you know, the folks who Although are undecided. I'm not sure that they had a sponsor. I think they just are, were curious. For the good of the, for the, good of the <laughs> You can order. do these IVR surveys pretty that's cheap. True. So. That's true. Um, but yeah, that's that's quite a bit of undecided. So it's unclear how do undecideds break right. in this particular, like, I don't know if you're like, well, I'm just not sure if I'm for Kasich or... Trump. I'm just going to have to check their record and see what they. they if you're undecided said. at this point, are you even going to vote? I mean, that's the other question. But nonetheless, I, I mean, they they did an analysis of each of the congressional districts and found there are ways you can get more bang for your buck. So that's actually the granular, like, actually, how are you piecing together a win this week? But what most people are talking about this week (laughs) is Trump and the ladies. Um, I mean, you know, we can briefly gloss over what the actual news is. There's been Trump versus Cruz fighting over each other's wives in a way that's pretty grotesque. There's been other salacious uh, attacks on Cruz that people have linked to Trump. Um, There's also a very, like, true fact, which is um, Trump's campaign manager uh, being charged with battery of a female uh, reporter and Trump calling into a variety of shows today, really defending his campaign manager in a way that is unseemly. Um, but even before all this, before this past week of week of shame, there was still a clear sign that 
Trump has a problem with women, with women voters, not just with women generally, which he seems to have, but he has, a tr- he has trouble with women voters. Um, so there's been quite a bit of stuff going on this week for folks to take a look at. 538 did something. Huffington Post did something. Uh, I wrote a piece at CNBC.com uh, about uh, the gender gap, in, in, not just in the primary. I mean, that's the thing to really take a look at here. It's not just the primary, it's the general, and it's not just the general election against Hillary Clinton, but the general election against Bernie Sanders. So it's it, it, this is a real problem, and this isn't as simplistic as, as saying – Oh, Trump, he's, you know, he's upsetting the ladies and then Clinton's going to be the nominee and it'll be, you know, that's that. It, it's There's a lot more going on, first of all. And I spoke to Katie Packer who runs the Our Principles Pack, uh, which is one of the super PACs that's been running against Trump. And they did that great ad you've probably seen called Quotes where it's just women reading actual Trump quotes about women. And uh, and and I mean, it was, you know, really when you, she said, look, this is very unprecedented for and front runner to have a gender gap in the Republican primary. Usually Republican women aren't voting that differently from Republican men for gendered That's reasons. Right. And and I was like, oh, okay, right, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I looked it up. I'm like, well, let me just take a look. And that, in fact, is turns out to be true. Mm-hmm. If you look at McCain and Romney, there was hardly any gender gap. Again, this is in the primary. And to the extent there was a gender gap, it was smaller, and women were more likely to favor them, not less likely. It's very stark right now. You have in a lot of big states, uh, Republican women ha- are double digit, you know, supporting Trump by you know double digits less than men. So that's where it begins. But then in the general election, it's not just about looking at men versus women because remember I've talked about this on this show before. Women vote Democratic. So if you're looking at men versus women, you don't know if that's the party effect or a gender effect. Morning Consult, remember our friends there? We had Kyle Drop from Morning Consult on the show a few months ago. You can go to their website. I didn't know this and run party by gender for all of their polls. So if you look at all their past polls, you can look at the general election matchups. You can look at Trump versus Clinton, Trump versus Sanders, Cruz versus Clinton, Cruz versus Sanders, and so on, and look at party by gender. And you don't see a lot of differences on the Democratic side. They're obviously going to vote for the Democratic candidate. But independent women and independent men, there is a big gender gap between those. And it's worse for Trump in both the contests than for Cruz or Kasich. And it's worse for Trump with Republicans, that gender gap than it is for Cruz and Kasich. It doesn't mean that Republican women are voting for Sanders, but it means the difference between Republican women and Republican men is bigger with Trump as the nominee than for any other Republican nominee. And this isn't just about Clinton. It's about Trump because it's bad with Sanders as the nominee too. Yeah, all of these ascendant American electorate groups that I continue to believe are very important for Republicans to win over. Um, I mean, you think about women, Latinos, young voters. Well, there are young Republicans. There are Republican single women. There are Republican Latinos. You know, all of these groups have Republican elements. And the fact that you see them all within the Republican tent breaking away from Trump just underscores that not only is he going to potentially go into a general election with the usual demographic headwinds, 
but within his own party that's being compounded in a way that it's not normally for a GOP frontrunner. Yeah. I mean, it's there. There's a, it's really clear that what's going on here. I mean, you, you see if you look at Republicans, you see that um, that more Republican women are likely to say that they can't see, can't see supporting Trump compared to other Republican candidates. Um, you, he has a higher unfavorable with Republican women. Gallup shows that the folks who are 42 percent unfavorable with Republicans. With Republican women. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, Gallup showed that the people who are unfavorable toward Trump are disproportionately younger women. I mean, it, it's every outlet has this finding. It's just a question of how they phrased it and what dates the poll was taken. But every outlet has this finding that he's got a woman problem that is not just overall, which includes Democratic women, and it's not just versus Clinton. We'll get to that in a second. But So you could check that assumption aside. This is about Trump. Trump has got a problem. So – you know, if Republicans want to do well, I mean, you need Republican, you need non-democratic swing voting women to win. I mean, whoever you are, <laughs> you need them. Pro tip: they, free advice from the pollsters. You need them, and you may think you don't need them somehow. You can run up the score with men, but women make up a majority of the electorate, and it, that this is really one of the big, you know, the biggest problems. I mean, this is this is you know, this is a massive, massive problem. This isn't just about upsetting elites or upsetting you know ethnic groups in states that you can't compete in or whatever other kind of crazy calculations you may, you know, use to sleep at night with Trump, the nominee. I don't know who I'm speaking to here. One, one, you know, hypothetical Trump supporter. But um, but the women issue is really going to be a very big problem in the general. So let's talk a little bit about this study that you mentioned uh, that you I think you, you mentioned in the uh, in the beginning of the show about uh, at Farley Dickinson University. Yes. So this is fascinating. So there's two different like Trump polling experiments. We'll talk to the other about the other one in a little bit. But this first one is Fairly Dickinson University. Dan Casino is uh, the professor who put this together. And I know that his class listens to the pollsters. So hello, class. We think this is pretty cool. So there are a couple things going on on the Democratic side that, you know, that are assumptions that we have or that folks have about what's going on in the Democratic contest that maybe we need to re. re think, right? So one, as I mentioned, is that Clinton's the reason a Republican would have problems in the general. This other one is what's the role of gender in um, in the vote, right? Is Clinton facing sexism in the vote? And you know, uh, there's a lot of debate about this, right? Are the objections that and the challenges that Clinton sometimes seems to have in the polling, is that come from sexism or is that come from something else? And they did this cool poll because as we've said, you can't ask people are you sexist? You know, do you have a problem with Clinton that is because of her gender? You know, those are things you you can ask, but you won't get a good answer. So what they did is they split the sample in half and half of the respondents got a question in the beginning of the survey and half have got the same question at the end of the survey. And it was to prime people to think about changing gender roles. And it asked people, what's the household income distribution in your household? Like what's the, you know, what percent of your income comes from the man in the household versus the woman in the household? Uh, Just as a way to get people to think about changing gender roles without saying, hello, we have a question about changing gender roles. It's just a way to kind of subtly ask it, which I thought was quite clever. Now, here's where the interesting results. I should preface this by saying this is just in New Jersey, so maybe different in other parts of the country um, that are not in proximity to where Trump and Clinton are from, I should add. But among men, getting primed about that 
about gender roles makes male voters become disproportionately Trump voters, right? Men who did not get that gender-primed question until after the vote, those voters, those male voters are voting for Clinton. So it really it, it hurts Clinton when men get a question asking them about household composition and changing gender roles. For women, getting that question actually helps Clinton a little bit. Now, in the Sanders vote, that getting that question makes no difference because – Presumably, you know, the vote for him does not change whether or not you're primed to think about changing gender roles. So it is fascinating study. It's gotten a lot of traction. It's been in a lot of different outlets. Um, I, I really applaud this use of split sampling and creative methodology to test some of these things because you're gleaning people's biases rather than asking them about it. I thought it was really quite interesting. I like that it's a way to remind people about changes in gender norms. And I wonder if there's – I would assume there's a difference based on uh, how people responded. Like if you're in a household where you say the wife earns more or the husband earns more, like I wonder what those crosstabs look like. I don't know. Dan I mean, and class. I mean, you probably have a lot of other demographic factors going on there too. So it's, you know, it would just be descriptive, not, you know, causal or anything. But right. it'd be very interesting to see. No, it's, it's, uh, I, I think, we're, I mean, hopefully, Dan and class, please tweet us or email us and give us any additional but thoughts. But if you're going to tweet us a sexist hate tweet, Maybe don't. So this poll. I got enough of that in my own feed. I know, right? So we we put out this poll, right? We pushed it out on our Twitter feed and we got our first sexist hate, not ours, but the show's first sex. We've gotten plenty, believe us. But this is the first time we got a, uh, the show got a sexist hate tweet. So I was like, okay, well, maybe there's some, maybe there's something to this study then because this guy seems mad about changing gender roles. <laughs> I'm assuming it was a dude. Anyway, he's blocked now, so we don't have to to hear from him anymore. But um, um, anyway, so yeah, we, we will block you immediately. We don't engage in that kind of thing on the pollster's Twitter feed. But so that's one, you know, thought about or ch- assumption that people have about the race that I think there's some new data on. The other is what's going on generally, right? Sanders had a great Saturday, he you know, ran the table on three states in Alaska and Hawaii and Washington State. And the Huffington Post average has narrowed. It was narrower and then it grew again and now it's narrowed uh, again to about 10 points. Um, There's a Wisconsin poll that came out today right before we taped that shows Sanders up. So, you know, that all makes people think like, well, maybe this, you know, maybe the race is hot again after all, Um, which is something that I think you could have predicted if you looked at the polling and what states were coming next, you know, before Alaska and Hawaii and Washington State, but uh, but nonetheless, people are are really talking about it. Um, and there was one last thing that is, I think, on the flip side of Sanders' strength from the average is uh, a poll that Gallup did showing that Clinton's voters are more enthusiastic than Sanders' voters, and this also got a lot of play. And so these two polls, the Fairleigh Dickinson poll and this Gallup poll, were actually some of the most popular things in our Facebook feed, the pollsters today. Um, so the, challenging the assumption that Clinton's supporters are unenthusiastic. It's only Sanders' supporters who are enthusiastic. So all those things we'll have to see if they get replicated and what happens after Wisconsin or what happens as the race moves to New York or to California. But it was a pretty, you know, we haven't seen a lot of excitement on the Democratic side polling, but those were a couple 
exciting things, at least from my perspective. Well, we will have one other poll coming up here on the show in just a minute where we'll talk on one more time about Donald Trump uh, in, in 2016. But now we want to turn for just a moment to um, polling around terrorism and safety. Um, we are taking a look this week at a Reuters Ipsos poll um, that was conducted of almost 2,000 adults interviewed online um, between March 22nd and March 28th. Uh, and they asked people for basically their thoughts about how concerned they are. Um, do you think that there will be a terrorist attack in the next six months here in the U.S.? Uh, you have 64 percent of respondents who think that such a thing is somewhat or very likely. Um, there's a big partisan divide on the question of whether you think the use of torture against suspected terrorists is acceptable. But you still have majorities even among Democrats who do say yes to yeah. that question for either often or sometimes justified. And then they asked people, how concerned are you about your safety in the following situations? And a majority said they were concerned at an airport, bus or train station, um, with 49 percent saying they'd be concerned at a public rally, 41 percent at a sporting event, 39 percent at a concert and 38 percent at festivals and fairs. And then I think the rest of the things on there are more you've got bars and clubs, attending a marathon, going to a movie, going to a place of worship or a workplace. Well, it's interesting that attending a public rally is second on this list. I wonder if people are thinking about Trump rallies or if they're thinking about terrorism. It's hard to know from looking at this question. Because it doesn't specifically say safety. It just says – or it doesn't specifically say terrorism. It right. just says right. safety. But if it's right after a question about torture and terrorism and a terrorist attack, who knows? But the rally piece I think is you know, perhaps elevated as a result of all what we've been hearing about violence at rallies. So Quinnipiac did this um, really neat – Thing. So we've talked on the show before about how when you tell people that Donald Trump supports a particular position, it changes the result of the poll. Um, what Quinnipiac did was they tested a handful of statements about terrorism, quotes that they attribute to Trump. And what they do is they ask people if they agree or disagree with the statement. And half of the sample gets told Trump says blah, blah, blah. And then the other one just says the statement and says, do you agree or disagree? Um, and so, for instance, they say the American dream is dead. So half the sample just hears the American dream is dead and half the sample says Trump says the American <laughs> dream is dead. So when you ask, do you agree or disagree with the statement um, that the American dream is dead? If you did not hear that it was a Trump thing, um, you generally disagree with it. And for non-Trump voters in particular, 30, uh, 30 pardon me, 68 percent say they disagree with it. If you then tell them that Trump said it, that disagreement shoots up to 81 percent that non-Trump voters are like, "Ugh, Trump said it and even more back away from it. Yeah. But the opposite is true of Trump voters. If you all of a sudden say, well, Donald Trump said this, they go from largely disagreeing Trump voters. If you don't tell them Trump said it, about 54 percent. No, am I adding that right? I'm adding that totally wrong. Am I adding that right? Uh, yep, I just yes. added it right. Okay, 54%. <laughs> Sorry, math error on the pollster. I'm doing it in my head. It's All right. very small print. It's here. very small print. It's 54% of Trump voters with no cue say, no, I don't think the American dream is dead. But then if you say, Donald Trump says the American dream is dead, all of a sudden you get 68% saying, oh, well, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, the American dream is dead. And they test this with a whole bunch of other statements. Yeah. So every, throughout all these – and most of them are security-related or foreign policy or quote-unquote policy, right? There are um, you know things that Trump said about immigration or about Islam um, or about terrorism. And it, it, it helps with his supporters and it hurts with his opponents. So if you 
don't support Trump. When you hear that Trump said it, you really disagree with the statement. Um, so that I, I mean, I guess this is you'd probably see the same kind of thing if you were looking at Obama policies. We, we've seen this. We're like, you know, oh, the Obama proposal to do X will get more partisan division and support um, than some of these things. But I, I just found this really interesting. What they also did at Quinnipiac, which I, I didn't – we don't have this here, but folks should go take a look at it, is that people who um, didn't get the – Trump cue. So they didn't hear that Trump said it. They asked, who do you think said this? Who do you think supports this? Um, and, you know, most people knew that Trump was behind some of these things, except for the American dream is dead, because that's a little, you know, that's a little vague. I mean, there are, you know, it's it's not quite as uniquely Trumpian, I guess, as some of the other things, which are so clearly a Trump statement, I, I suppose. I mean, any, you know, sort of your neighbor could have said some of this stuff, but um, or said you know, the American dream is dead. But um, but anyway, I don't know what this means for like as if he becomes a nominee. I guess it just means the more he talks, the more his opponents, the people who don't vote for him are going to just hate everything he says, I guess is what that means. Well, and then the people that love him will continue to rally behind him. I mean, yeah, when you have things that are a, a policy position that already tends to sort Trump and non-Trump voters, when you tell them Trump says we should deport illegal immigrants, like, nothing really changes because everybody went into the question. right. Knowing that or already having that kind of position. But then other stuff about the American dream being dead, as you mentioned, like that's, oh, well, if Trump said it, then. Then maybe it is. Maybe it is. Or maybe it isn't. I don't know, depending on where you stand on Trump. Yeah. I mean, it, it just goes to show this this narrative, which we've now all abandoned, but was true months ago. Like, oh, well, when people just find out that he said this, then they'll oppose him. Nope. Like, that doesn't really seem to be happening. Nope. So just to wrap up. I don't know if Stuart Stevens listens to the show, but he follows us on Twitter and he posted this poll, which is how we found it, which is um, people – it's about donating a kidney, right? So two-thirds – I have to say I think this is probably people over-reporting this – say they would donate a kidney to for free to anyone under urgent circumstances. I don't know. That seems a little high. Two-thirds? To anyone? To anyone. 23rd set. Under emergency circumstances. 23. Urgent circumstances. Right? Uh, okay. Maybe, right? 23% say no, only for some people. But for $50,000, 60% say, yeah, I'd be more likely to donate my kidney. And that's super illegal. You can't sell organs. Well, you know, uh, the, some people are saying maybe we should create a mar- maybe we should create a market for this. That is a very, that's a very libertarian position. Right. If people are... You know, if people are willing, I mean, there's a need, and we don't. When I say I love free markets, that does not necessarily mean organ trafficking. Well, one of our one of our um, Twitter followers said, "It's not donation for fifty thousand. If you're taking fifty thousand dollars, like, okay, good point, but I don't think." That little nugget changes the outcome here. I mean, I, I I did think it was pretty interesting. So they put this hypothetical price tag in the poll, fifty thousand dollar price tag for the organ. Um, only nine percent said they were unwilling to donate. So anyway, um, I think I I would you know, Margie, if you needed a kidney, I would give you a kidney. I would give you fifty. What about for fifty dollars? <laughs> I wasn't asking. <laughs> But you just bought me a fun afternoon at Sephora. (laughs) So, okay. So to wrap up, um, ladies and men, time to get in formation and get this bully out of the presidential race. 
his views on women are really unacceptable and, and women voters. You just uh, quoted Beyonce. I did. I did. Occasionally, once in a while, I, I, uh, I get there. Um, so check your assumptions at the door and about what's going on in the Democratic contest. And the Trump effect, it's real. Go see a doctor and make sure you don't leave the house without protection. Um, and for $50,000, I would gladly donate you a kidney. You don't even need to write us an iTunes review. But if you put, put our name in at earbud.fm, we'd be really happy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, you can find us online at thepolsters.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at thepolsters or individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson. We'll be on Facebook uh, where you can find us throughout the week posting links to stories that we might chat about on the show. Subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you are in the Boston area, come out and see us on Friday at the Harvard Institute of Politics 50th anniversary. Great. Thanks, guys.